that I stress with my clients is that you cannot go into polyamory without that kind of self-awareness. If you don't understand what the purpose of a relationship is, if you don't understand that you're attracting your mirror, if you don't understand that your trauma is unhealed and these relationships are going to bring them up for healing, then you really don't understand relationship in general. If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multi-Amory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're speaking with Kenya K. Stevens. Kenya K. Stevens is a relationship expert, coach, best-selling author, wife, and mother of three. She graduated from Howard University in Washington, D.C. with a degree in education and child psychology. Not only did she scoop up a degree, but she also met and married fellow Howard student Carl Stevens. Kenya and her husbands are the founder and her husbands. Wow, I threw a plural in there. Kenya and her husband (laughs) are the founders of Progressive Love Academy, which has certified over 150 coaches and Tantra practitioners. So Kenya, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Now, Jace, it's pretty funny that you put a parallel, or sorry, a plural with the husbands thing, because Kenya, on your Instagram, I see you do refer to your partners as like husband number one and husband number two. Is that right? I do. I do. And I think that's cute. But then some people say that's hierarchy. Uh, right. <laughs> so Interesting. I, I, uh, I was with this one first. That's number one. And then this one second. That's I number see, two. I yeah. see. Yeah. It- and do like husband one and husband A or something. And then like, uh-huh. it's kind of funny how if you call him husband one and husband two, it sounds like the one is the primary one. But then if you say husband 1.0 and husband 2.0, it seems like the second uh, one's the better one. Ooh, oh, there you go. I like that. Okay. So I'm just going to dive in here. So you have been practicing polyamory. You've been coaching others and you've also been training other coaches for over a decade now. And in the course of that time, there's definitely been an explosion of interest in non-traditional relationships, you know, and so we've been running the show only for five years. And even for us in the last five years, we've really witnessed some major changes. What do you think has caused that? Well, I think that I caused it. I mean, <laughs> people talking about it have caused it. I'm the first person yeah. of African descent, the first woman of African descent in this country to openly live a polyamorous lifestyle and to advocate for it openly. Mm. Now, of mm. course, there are so many people living polyamory. Many don't even know it. But I think what's causing it now is that movies and social media and uh, a mainstream media is catching up and utilizing those themes For instance, Olivia, Olivia Pope, you know, she's dating the president. The president is married. So these cause, these mass media sort of uh, polyamorous scenarios cause people to catch up with the timeline that, Mm -hmm. hey, 
monogamy is not really working for the majority of the citizens in this country. Mm, yeah. Yeah. We yeah. recently had that interview with Willow Smith that came out, which I think was huge. Yeah. That I saw that you talked about on your Instagram. Oh, it was lovely. I was so happy to see Willow because I think the younger generations can really do this more easily mm-hmm. and with more stealth than, you know, those who have been in traditional views for so long and they judge themselves based on traditional Right, definitely. And now I I do want to segue that a little bit um, and talk about like what you see happening in the future and whether that's kind of the future of society as a whole or the future of specifically what the younger generation is going to do or maybe even what you see your own kids doing as far as kind of carrying these values or, you know, really abandoning more traditional values around this. Sure. I I look for a society that has, you know, where we really step into a new paradigm. Mm -hmm. Um, There should be no reason why human beings are not free in general in every way. So polyamory is just one of those stops on that train toward freedom. Um, The concept that I can't do what I want with my body just because I'm married Mm -hmm. or just because I have children or just because I'm a woman, these things hold us in the old paradigm. And the old paradigm is not really productive for the creativity that we need to solve the world's problems. And understand, like, we have serious concerns right now in our society. And to to resolve them, we have to move beyond that which created those concerns. And that is lack of freedom, lack of mental acuity, lack of, you know, expansion. That's, That's awesome. where polyamory is going. It's, it's expanding us as a species and helping us to really, uh, uh, you know, develop the kind of society that we really want to live in. Right. Definitely. Do you do you think that like I'm I, you know, again, kind of thinking about this more philosophically going into the future that I think that for so long, the primary I don't want to say like obstacle, maybe the primary resistance to the idea of freedom for a lot of people is this notion that freedom equals chaos. And, (laughs) you know, I, why is everyone so afraid of chaos? I mean, it, it is from chaos that we grow. I mean, everything could be considered chaos because it's the unknown. Chaos is the unknown. And every day we wake up into the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Why are we so afraid of having the human experience? Why are we so afraid of the Earth's school? Why are we so afraid to grow and to realize our power through that growth? There's yeah. nothing to be afraid of as we walk into the unknown, which is what you consider to be chaos. Or right, most. yeah. Right. Well, I don't know. That is the kind of funny thing is that I think you can see it, or we see it all the time, and I'm sure you see it all the time with your clients also, that on this micro level, that fear of the unknown can be so paralyzing to people, you know, of like, I don't know what it's going to be like when I open up my relationship. I don't know what's going to happen if my partner can go on this first date with someone. I don't know what's going to happen if my partner can have sex with someone or if I get to have sex with someone. And so it's like you can see on this micro level that how the fear of the unknown really creates this paralysis around moving forward. And I feel like that's just got to be mirrored on the macro level as well of we don't know what it's going to be like if, if someone could just date whoever the heck they wanted. And so it's so for a lot of people, it's so much easier to just stay kind of stuck in in what's known and comfortable, I suppose. Well, what we're saying is it's much easier just to continue to allow persons with penises to have a past 
a unseen and invisible hall pass to continue mm-hmm. to ha- to live as a natural human, which is a non-monogamous species, okay? And to go and to have all these affairs and to then, you know, have the woman be very upset and constantly in flux and constantly wondering what her husband is doing because he is doing something. That is the Western paradigm. That the men, I mean, this has been normalized that men are persons who will have affairs, just accept it. This is what boys do. That's more uh, palatable than actually. It's the kind of relationship I was born out of. Yeah. Right. All of us. So (laughs) that's not chaotic? Is that not chaotic? Our mothers were depressed. Our mothers were not orgasmic. Our mothers Mm. were unhappy. Our mothers were constantly worried. Why is that not chaos? Mm. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I like that take, and I, I think that's something yeah. I mean, interesting. Yeah, we can't play these games. It is time for us to recognize where we have been and how it doesn't work. If there's a fifty-five percent divorce rate, if your child came home and said, "I got a fifty-five percent on this test," that's an F. <laughs> yeah, is that an F? That's an F. So, I mean, if we don't resolve ourselves to understand it, we need to fix this with something that is workable for everybody persons with penises and vagina then we're living in chaos either way yeah definitely yeah so i want to take it back just for a minute because we started to talk a little bit about media and i know um i i saw something about she's got to have it on your instagram and we talked a little bit about willow and various things yeah so there is a huge increase in media coverage about polyamory about non-monogamy so I wanted to ask, like, what do you think the media is getting right about all of that? And what do you think the media is getting wrong or still, like, has a long way to go on? Well, I wrote Spike Lee about seven years ago, and I told him that oh, wow. he could redo, because he was the first person of African descent to cover polyamory. Uh, uh, She's Gotta Have It is an old right. movie. It came out mm-hmm. in, in the uh, early 90s or late 80s. So, you know, that was visionary of him. What I think the media is doing right is like Spike Lee listened to me and he redid She's Gotta Have It. But what the media is, is they're not doing anything wrong. Nobody's ever doing anything wrong. Everything is perfection. That's my view. But what they could improve upon and move more quickly on is really dealing with the people who are in polyamory, bringing their stories out. Why are we making up fiction? (laughs) I live yeah. here with two husbands and our children. Where, where's the camera? You understand? Yeah. Like, why not show the real thing? We've been up for a reality series three times. And each time the media tells us, the top executives say, we can't put this on TV. We cannot show a woman who doesn't have the drama, who is a CEO, who is intelligent, who has brown skin, living in a free way because this is going to influence. You understand? Media. Yeah, of course influencing all of us i don't know how quickly they want it to come about but i wish that they would provide the tools because it's coming about well i think that's always the struggle with like real life portrayals in the media um because i know something that we've come up against that a lot of our friends have come up against who are approached by producers or approached by people who want to develop a show is that sometimes it can be um they, essentially, we've seen a lot of disappointed producers when they realize there's not quite as much drama as they thought there was going to be. 
you know what like once they realize like oh this wouldn't like okay we would have maybe two episodes worth of content as far as drama goes and then it's just like really quite normal you you know that then that then it becomes like oh well i guess we gotta go find some some like you know some people who are having much more drama trying to work out their polyamory yeah or create fiction yes i don't understand Yeah. yeah yeah i mean it's like if you think about I mean, even with monogamous relationships that a show about like a healthy, well-functioning monogamous relationship with people who are happy, people probably wouldn't watch that because it's just sort of like <laughs> it doesn't get made. It doesn't get made. Yeah. And maybe that's too bad. Maybe it'd be great if we did watch that. But I feel like we just don't. Right. We like the stuff that gets put on TV and made into movies has to be like there's drama. There's stuff going wrong. Everyone's hurt. Everyone's upset. And then maybe finally they're happy at the end. You know what I mean? Right. Well, one thing, one thing that you guys talked about was chaos and moving out of that chaos is removing our addiction to drama. Mm. Most of my That's really good point. myself, I was addicted to drama. So when I got married, if, the, if a day went by and we didn't have like a flare up, I would think this was a weird day. Like mm. I myself was addicted. I, I, it's a hormone. It's a chemical yeah. that matches. That. You understand. You've seen what the bleep do we know in the movies about. Oh, I love that movie. You are creating a chemical to match every emotion. So you can be addicted to the chemical that matches mm. sadness or extreme anger. And so that takes time to undo. And those are the types of things I do with my clients. But I don't think the American public at large has done that yet. And there is a drama addiction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just even realizing that is incredible. And, and you saying it out loud that, yeah, oh. that tends to just be what... I think most people are used to in their relationships. It's like it, you need that uh, that fix, I guess, of of that drama in your life, or yeah. else like it's not exciting. It's not worth it. You should move on to the next one. Yeah. Well, you've I know you've talked in your content a little bit about kind of family trauma that you can carry on into your relationships, and I know something that. I very much carried into my relationships because like when I was growing up, I never saw a fight that was resolved or a conflict that was resolved. Mm. I never saw repair happening. Like I only saw these borderline toxic fights. And so that was all I knew, you know, that was just like, that's what a relationship is, is like you have the honeymoon phase and then you get ready to gear up to just have occasional toxic fights, maybe once a week or once a day or whatever. And I think that, that's a whole heck of a lot of people carrying kind of that same thing into their relationships now. Um, and the idea of a relationship where repair is really easily accessed or trust is really easily accessed. It's like we get so like, if you actually get that as a model from your parents, like, like you're such a, like a tiny, shiny, glinting, shimmering star (laughs) in this deep, vast darkness of space, like with its rarity is what I mean. Right. Absolutely. And one thing that I stress with my clients is that you cannot go into polyamory without that kind of self-awareness. If you don't understand what the purpose of a relationship is, if you don't understand that you're attracting your mirror, if you don't mm. understand that your trauma is unhealed mm. and these relationships are going to bring them up for healing, then you really don't understand no. relationship in general. So then how can you be in poly? Now you're going to have all of these trigger points. <laughs> mm-hmm. all of it. You, know, you, you cannot manage that without that kind of self-awareness. Right. 
which is why I teach yeah. the Murray talk show. It feels like you guys understand that and to me that's the crux of power well that's our hope anyway i mean i know i think for myself personally i had to learn the hard way that it's like oh yeah doing this is gonna like like shine a big old spotlight on every little every little trigger every little crack every little insecurity like it's gonna bring it all out into the light and that's not a bad thing that's a very good thing but it's no like thank god you gotta be ready for that you know and i think when i first started i wasn't ready for that like there was no part of my brain that conceptualized that that's what might happen (laughs) yeah (laughs) right but well yes that's what we do we we provide you know we start with a foundational premise that the purpose of a relationship is growth and the benefit mm-hmm. is love. So if you've ever been through that challenge with your lover and you got to the other side, then you've experienced what love is. It has pushed you and made you a new person. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what love is. So we start with that and we move on to the other principles and premises of progressive love. Um, uh, polyamory, you know, you need tools and that's what we right. provide. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So yeah. I want to shift gears and talk a little bit about community. So on our show, we often encourage people to connect to community. Um, and in your own content, you've also reiterated that community is necessary if you're polyamorous. Now, you've also talked about the fact that at the same time, Western culture teaches us that it's possible to be 100% self-reliant and we can get our community needs met either by no one but ourselves or just by a very small handful of people. Um And I remember in one of your videos, you even said that it's dangerous to attempt a non-monogamous relationship without community. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Oh, yes. I mean, because you have to vent. Your ego Mm. is going to come up. (laughs) Your animal is going to come up. I mean, it's going to be aroused. Your animal is going to wake up. I mean, it's going to be pain. There's going to be depression, problems, sadness, and you need people to go and vent to. Um, I have a whole process of uh, uh, my newest book, Up Level, talks about a communication process, but the biggest part of communication is allowing your ego to express itself. And that's Mm. something Wes does not like. If you're at work, not say that you don't like your boss. Not say you don't like, you know, but if I'll ever, you have to say, you have got to get this stuff out of your body. So we suggest that people have a large community so that they can have people to share that with in a safe container and always be processing and moving through emotion without always dumping it on your partner. Your partner can't always handle it because they're going to take it personal because they're in their ego as well. So (laughs) we just, you know, community is vital. Even if your partner's with somebody else, you need to hold someone. If you're experiencing jealousy, you need to be able to ask someone for what you need. If you have no one around you, what are you going to do beyond call your partner and cuss them out and say, get the hell home? Because I'm not not feeling well. Well, you need somebody else to help you feel well. He's Mm -hmm. out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you mind... So that's do you mind sharing a little bit in kind of your own personal journey 
becoming polyamorous, what was it like for you finding community or connecting to community? Well, my personal journey into polyamory was hell. And I try mm. to make that really clear. It's, it's you are going to go through many deaths. Like, I don't mm. play games. Like, I'm, I'm like a rapper. I'm going to tell it how it is. You're going to <laughs> die many times. I mean, you have I mean, because what's dying, a part of you that was holding on to specialness, mm. a part of you that was holding on to all of these concepts that are not really real and they're not really relevant for your life. So mm-hmm. you're going to die to those and that hurts. It's painful. But in terms of what you asked, I forgot what it was that you asked <laughs> about that. Your own, your own journey in connecting to community and like how you found community. Oh, so it, luckily enough, when my husband and I got married, I was 21. I'm now wow. today 25. But when we got married when I was 21, we actually came directly into community. So we have been initiated into the African spiritual culture. So that was all about community. So we grew up in community. We, I mean, I just understood it to be a vital part of our lives. So when we were fighting and going through things, we would call the elders. They would come over our house. They would talk to us. This was in Washington, D.C. So mm-hmm. we had created that here. So I just knew the importance of it. Um, most may not have had that experience. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Poly, you have to get into right. it. It's, it's yeah. A com- yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. When you like transitioned into a polyamorous relationship, did, was there any friction with your home community in that regard? Sure, yeah. My, my mom said, leave that man, leave him. He's not right. That's not right. You know, everybody had a, a thing to say, but I was, I could easily shoot back at them. Well, all of y'all husbands have had another mm-hmm. partner. All of y'all, my grandmothers on both sides, my mother, all of them, his mother, everybody. Okay, people got divorced about it. People been fighting about it. Are y'all serious? No, I'm not leaving. Now I actually have the freedom to do what all persons with penises have done for a thousand years. What are you, why would I leave? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Canada. I crossed the major states and I'm not in the South anymore. I'm free. (laughs) There you go. <laughs> I don't believe in throwing away humans. Like, why mm-hmm. would I need to do that? I don't need to throw my best friend away because he wants to make love with other people. Why? Yeah. I, yeah. I know for that's a lot great. of people, that's such a struggle, though, when they become polyamorous. A lot of times feel like they kind of lose their community. Like that, that you know, they kind of mm. get cut off from whether it's their family or just their friend group or like they feel like now I can't come to these people because no matter what I come with, they're going to go, oh, your problems are because you're doing that polyamory thing. You know, you I know, see. It's it's just such a hard thing for I people. See. Right, and they're not creating a new community. Well, they end up needing to, and I think that transition, that like gap in the middle, where you kind of lose the one before you've built the other, it can be a real hard time to to figure out how do I do that. I, you know. Yes, that's very true. You, you, how can you do that? It just has to be mm-hmm. done. Um, one thing that I am is a warrior. So I just kept pressing forward with those people. Like I would taunt them and tease them, be like, hi, y'all. Look at you. You you know, your husband cheated 20 times. And every time you, my grandmother actually told me when I told her I was Polly, she said, every time your grandfather cheated, I cheated back. And I never. (gasps) Oh my. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) So they started telling me the secrets and i'm like wow why would you raise a daughter my mother and not tell her that Mm. you see what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. why are we not teaching you know it's just it was a whole thing that came out but 
yes, you have to be powerful to be powerful. That's, that's, what that's I so say. interesting about the secrets coming out, though, because I feel like that's, um, I'm sure you've experienced this many times, but it's like when, when you're the only person in the room or in the community or in the conversation willing to openly talk about these things like your own desires or like yourself as a sexual being or whatever, that it's like often the reaction is both can be both this like kind of revulsion or this pulling away. But then also there's just a lot of people who just immediately like it all comes spewing out, you know, like there's so many people where I just mentioned in passing, I'm like, Oh yeah, like I have a podcast. We talk about polyamory or whatever. And then they're like, Oh my God. So like six months ago we had this threesome and it just went horrible. And like, and this is what I thought was going to happen. And then this is what she thought was going to happen. And then, and then she's like, Oh yeah. And that's what I thought. And I'm just like, Oh gosh. You're like, don't care. Well, bye. It's not that I don't care. But it's not that I don't care. It's, I mean, sometimes I'm kind of like, I do this for a living, so I can only take so much of this. But on the other side of it, I'm like, clearly, it was like there were these floodgates holding things back. And clearly, this is stuff that people want to be talking about, even if they are not polyamorous. Mm. It's like they still want to be talking about just the fact that like, we're attracted to more than one person over the course of our lifetimes or that we are sexual beings or stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, y'all have experienced that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's the beginning of your formulation of community. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I suppose that's true. It takes vulnerability. If you're vulnerable, you will create community around right. you. Yeah, I like that. Uh, okay, so I'm going to pivot us again. All right, so a lot of your content talks about being, you know, how important it is to be honest and transparent and vulnerable with your partners and being able to honestly and authentically share your desires and your fantasies and your needs and all of that. However... For a lot of people, they've never done that and they feel like they can't, right? Like from the beginning of their relationship, there's like, these are things I can't talk about because, uh, you know, maybe they'll leave me or they'll judge me for it or they'll use this against me or whatever it is, even if that's just in their own head, right? It's like, I can't be honest. And I feel like our culture teaches us that. It's like, there are certain things you just don't share with your romantic partners, or at least not with the ones you really care about, uh, you know, and that that's just normal. And so for someone who's maybe, you know, listening to this podcast or who's checking out your Instagram and it's like, oh my God, the idea of being honest and authentic sounds amazing, but like, how would I even get there? How do I, how do I get to that? Um, do you have any advice for someone who's like, how do you take those first steps when you don't feel like you can? Yes, I never think about, right. Let, I, I really let my clients know that I never think about how, how <laughs> is not a I think about why and what, okay, why would I do that? Why would I say something that might make my wife leave me? Why would I do that? Oh my gosh, because of my what? Because I would like to have a certain level of freedom. I would like to be able to express myself fully. Like, what do you want? If you don't want that, if that's not your what, then there's no reason to do that, you understand? But if you have a what, and then you, you you understand you have a why. Why would I want to do that? Oh, because it would feel so good. I would finally feel like I'm my, my life. I would be happy. Then that's what you need to be going for. Who's not going for their own happiness? But never yeah. think about how, because how will be revealed to you. Mm. How is a, is a revelation? Mm. How is a goddess? How is a goddess? <laughs> you know, are, you know, think about what you want and why you want it. And then you will be given the house. Mm, yeah. Okay. I feel like there's such a, um, 
I think in the pursuit of that, I, I know, I mean, I can call to mind like my own experience, which is the only experience I can really speak from, um, you know, but I think about way back in the day, coming from this place of just automatically assuming like, yes, I know this is what I want. This is what I desire. This is what I fantasize about. Um, but telling my partner that is not going to feel good because there's no way my partner can love me if I've been that open and honest and vulnerable with them. And I feel like I see a lot of that. It doesn't even necessarily have to be about polyamory. I think it could be about just as simple as like a weird sexual fantasy you have, you know, but I think Mm -hmm. that it's even precluded by this idea of like, there isn't someone out there who's going to love me even when I'm this vulnerable with them. You know, I feel like I've come up against that a lot. I totally understand that. I just am a roughneck. I'm from Detroit. (laughs) When my partners come to me, no, I'm serious. When my clients come to me, what they're going to experience is opening up and, you know, getting into what they want. What do they truly desire? And I really, as a coach, that's what coaches do. You know, if I'm coaching a basketball team, I'm a, get it, get it, P's and Q's, get it. So I'm going to tell my clients, say what you want. There's nothing wrong with what you want. There's nothing wrong with who you are. This person's not going to leave you. If they do, it's their loss. Like, I get in there. Like, we don't have time for this, like, playing around. We don't. <laughs> yeah. 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 What are, I'm just curious, like, in your work with your clients, what are the most common obstacles that you or like, the most common sticking points that you see people kind of stumbling over on the path to opening up? Communication. Uh, that's what you're talking about. Um, they've not been taught to express their animal and their ego and their highest self. They don't know which one is speaking. So in my book, you know, I talk about the fact that if you're going to speak, you have to say that, I mean, you have to tell us who is speaking. If I'm going to speak to you, let's say Emily, uh, Emily, um, Emily, I really have something on my heart. I have something mm-hmm. on my mind. Do you have a space to hold for me right now? Can I share this? It's, it's actually about you. Absolutely. Thank you. Let's this do is, this. <laughs> this. This is just my ego speaking. Mm. It's probably all lies because all the ego does is lie. But, uh, and I know everything is to grow me. So I just want to share this and get it out of my ego's chest. <laughs> okay. okay. Then I would share what I want to share. Yeah. I'm really tired of this. You're doing this with my partner. You, I let you be with my husband, and now you want to be with him four nights a week, and I told you it was only two nights a week. Blah, blah, you know, so now I'm going to express that. Mm-hmm. And after I finish, it's thank you for sharing. How can I support you? So I have mm-hmm. a whole list of things. It's, it's like a, a, a flow chart of how to communicate, but most people just don't have the space to hold for each mm-hmm. other. And I teach people how to hold that space. No, I kind of like this role play. Okay. Cause so you talked about like speaking from the ego. And I think you also mentioned speaking from like the animal or the higher self. Can animal we, and can higher we self. I know. I, I want to do all of those. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just 
keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. Well, I just want to know also what each are. Oh, sure. Yeah. So the ego is the mediator between your higher self and your animal. Your animal is your feelings. It's feelings. All raw emotion is animal. I want to kill you or whatever you're feeling is your animal. You are an animal. I don't know where humans got away from this. Right? Totally. You're an animal. The ego is mediated. Okay, it it senses what the animal's doing, and then it says, well, this is how we're going to present that, to look good. The ego always wants to look good. Well, Mm. I don't feel that this is appropriate behavior for Polly. Oh, my God. You're my (laughs) mess. You know, that's the ego. And the ego is so funny. I'm constantly laughing at how the ego shapes what the animal's feeling Mm. and presents it so that you you don't look vulnerable. You don't look like you mad. Oh, you mad? No, I'm not mad. Right. You know, the ego is so fake. So fake. You mad, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, interesting, yeah. <laughs> and then the higher self is that which knows all is well. Mm-hmm. Nothing is All things serve to further. Everything is perfection. I am growing. That's the highest self. But in this culture, we're not taught to understand the difference between those three voices. And so we just talk. Mm, we think, yeah. oh, that's my truth. No, it's not. That's your animal. <laughs> that's your mm. ego. That's your, you, you have to know who is speaking. And that's what my book really teaches. Because if you're going to be in polyamory, tell us who's speaking. Mm. Do not just start talking out your mouth. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I... So that you know, you know? <laughs> no, I really like yeah. that because definitely, okay, so so I started working with clients in the last, what, three years or so? I see, yeah, the last three years. Um, so yeah. relatively new for me. And I do feel as there's starting to be a little bit more cultural literacy around polyamory, and I think especially within the polyamorous community, there's a little bit more literacy around best practices and worst practices and like here's some maybe good morals and values to ascribe to and here's some maybe toxic ones. As there's more literacy around that, I think what you're referring to as the ego, I've seen a lot of clients also get really good at kind of using the ego to dodge those things. So things like, yeah, so things like, well, no, 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 we can't admit to being jealous because jealousy is the bad thing. You know, that's the bad thing. That's toxic polyamory. And so again, like you were saying, the ego is like, exactly, going to come up with vulnerable, that. Like, well, I don't think that's appropriate or, well, I don't think that's quite within our agreements or, well, I just don't think, you know, yes, that like... That's a really wonderful way of laying it out there that because, yeah, we, I mean, we do that all the time. We're definitely, I mean, you know, I'm definitely not perfect in that regard either, but that is, that's a really good name for a phenomenon that I've been seeing of kind of like how the ego is always going to find this kind of slippery way to still look good and still seem really rational right. and presented and composed. And, and, and act like, 
upright and act like you right. If, if, if your ego is ever, ever saying, like we have these four sayings, no shame, no blame, no victims, no villains, hmm. no cop-outs, no dropouts. So if your ego is ever blaming anyone for hmm. anything, then you know you ain't ego. All the ego does is find out who's right, who's wrong. And which is a lie, because nobody's right, nobody's wrong. Mm. So even if you stand up like you have broken our agreement, and I feel a sense of sadness that you aren't respected. That's all <laughs> ego. It's not, it's a lie. You see right. what I'm saying? So that's that's the tricky point that I have mastered in getting with my clients, because we don't play that game either. You see, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> So do you ideally want your clients to go more towards the route of just saying what they feel and then moving on? Like, so taking away the bullshit, essentially, and just being like, OK, this these are the emotions that I'm having. Let's talk about them. And then ultimately, while also knowing like things are going to be OK over here. Uh, right. This is growing me. So I teach my client to start with animal, move up through ego, let everything express. That's the only way you can get to the highest self. If you're always hiding your animal and telling your animal, what happens to an abused animal? And you tell them, yeah. sit down, shut up, sit down, shut up. The animal starts to go crazy. The animal starts to really be, you understand, malfunction. Right. Yeah. Not abuse your animal. We have to, we, we have to love our animal. Let your animal express. Let your ego express. Reveal yourself. Get naked for me. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way trauma comes Love out it. either. Yeah. Then you can get by itself. We even have a thing in my book called a simulation where, okay, if my ego expresses itself, Emily, I don't like how you were with my man and I told you da 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 da. And you say, oh, thank you for sharing. How can I support you? Mm. I might say, Emily, I would like a simulation. Would you simulate guilt? Because my ego oh. just wants to hear you admit that you're. <gasps> Interesting. No, I like that, though, because, yeah, sometimes you just do need, like, an, an acknowledgement in your specific way from another person. That's fascinating. Jeez. Oh, my gosh. Hallelujah. And so no, I really is, like that. It's a game because your ego is just yeah. a game. You play. You just play. And so that that's the techniques that I give for power. So wait, what was it in Star Trek? The Kobayashi Maru? Oh, so like you're the like, simulation. I need yeah. you to step into the Kobayashi Maru with me. Simulate guilt uh, or simulate whatever. There that you was go. the name of the specific simulation oh. in the Starship Bridge simulator <laughs> thing. Okay. Oh, I'm such a wow, y'all. I'm such wow. a tricky. I love it. I never thought of that. <laughs> so, okay. I want to talk about your Instagram a little bit, which, by the way, we're kind of reworking our Instagram. And I used yours as like, this is how I want it to look similar to this because it's gorgeous. <laughs> There's, it's also like, you see it and you're like, okay, I know what I'm looking at here. Like, I understand kind of what this is all about. It's just really, really well done. So I do love that. Um, but on there, you recently posted this video where you're explaining why female, male, female threesomes are not polyamory. So we talk a lot on our show about things like one penis policy and unicorn hunting and how they can definitely be at least ineffective or at worst, destructive and harmful. But when we talk about things like that, we do sometimes get pushback from people in one penis policy or unicorn hunting relationships. And they just insist that they're practicing like a different form of polyamory and that you know, people that? We're, exactly we're well, and that like people shouldn't be so judgy and gatekeepy. So like, 
with all of that, what are your thoughts on this? And if you can even go a little bit into the reasoning why you said like female male, female threesomes are not polyamory for the audience. Absolutely. Yeah. This is just my ego speaking, <laughs> but we not, we not, <laughs> Disclaimer. we not, we not playing this game because the higher self says it doesn't matter what we call each other. It doesn't mm. matter the labels who care. Like that's the highest self. But for my ego's sake, and for the sake of coming out of a system of a thousand years, but why don't we recognize what women were a hundred years ago, 200 mm. years ago, let alone mm. women of African descent? Let's not play games. It's slavery. Mm-hmm. We're not playing a game where polyamory is like, oh yeah, we can be poly, but it still means that a woman is not at choice of what she does with her body. Yeah. I'm not that's not polyamory. Polyamory is many loves. Nowhere in there does it designate that a man should have many loves and a woman should not. Mm-hmm. So it, they need to make up another name that's swinging or something else or something else. When I think of polyamory, I think of a whole new paradigm where humans are free to make choices mm-hmm. for their own body. I don't care if they have a penis or a vagina. That's how mm-hmm. I think of polyamory. So I don't, I don't know why I I have clients come to me and say, oh, me and my wife are going to have threesomes. We're interested in polyamory. I say, oh, she can have who she want. You can have who you want. No, it's just, we're going to have threesomes with women. That's not polyamory. I -hmm. respect you, but that's not what that is. If we're creating a paradigm, it has to be clear that there is freedom for all. Why can't we ever have a paradigm that's about freedom for all? What's wrong with that? So what tends to be your... There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. So what... What well, what tends to be your approach with those clients who kind of come in with that notion of like, we've made up our mind and this is how it's going to go, you know, and she only wants to be with women. So, so then we're just going to decide we're both only going to date women and that's going to be okay. Like what tends to be your approach? Oh, I just, I let them know that, you know, I don't know if I'm the coach for them mm. because, I, 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 because I don't need, I have thousands of clients. I'm, uh, if you coach with me, you're very, very privileged. You have an opportunity of a lifetime mm-hmm. because I mean, I'm the best at what I do, but I'm, I tell them, look, I, I don't know if I'm the coach for you because the way that I will coach you, she will be able to tell you her authentic mm. truth and any authentic truth of any human is that humans are not monogamous species and they want to be at choice whenever they walk into the world. They want variety, all humans. Mm from children to adults, from every race to every sex. So I can't promise you that she will be falling into that program. And I can't promise you that you will want to hold on to that program once you really get authentic and deal with your fears. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... That's really hard for a lot of people (laughs) to hear. Uh-huh. Yeah, I feel like it's it's funny thinking about like the, the ego trying to justify everything like you were saying before. And I feel like like I just I've I've heard so many of these different arguments of being like no but we are equal like she can sleep with women and I can sleep with women that's equal right like I can't sleep with men she can't sleep with no, men that's she's, fine she's happy with just me as the only <laughs> just, penis like that's really how it is yeah, yeah. okay polyamory means at choice mm. now if you are at choice in that kind of relationship let's see because if you're at choice and you have some new information and you have some new experiences, will you still choose that? <laughs> so at choice is even a tricky topic. Yeah, for sure. Are you I at bet. choice or are you at conditioning? Or you have fear. If I do that, if I say I want that, my husband will leave me. Yeah, that's, that's not a big a one. Yeah. That's a big one. So yeah. much of it comes back to fear, I think. Like fear of being alone or fear oh, of yeah. being rejected or 
just like fear of who you might be if you actually acknowledged all the animal stuff going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One thing, something that, uh, what you were saying earlier about like the, the three different parts, right. And kind of that we're not taught to identify who's speaking, like which of these voices is speaking right now. Um, I think that that's, it's interesting. I remember reading a book years ago that was kind of about a similar concept, but rather than it being about like the animal and the ego and the higher self, it was more about based, you know, it's kind of based in neuroscience stuff saying like that your brain, we are taught to think of your brain as like one unified thing. That's always thinking or feeling the one thing that it's thinking or feeling. And actually saying, mm. no, your brain's more like a whole room full of a committee of people who all have different opinions and different feelings, and they're arguing about it constantly. And whoever happens to be kind of winning or getting the most support or talking the loudest at that point is the one that comes out. And it's like, I think sometimes when we try to, like when we buy into that illusion that our brain is always consistent and it's always thinking one thing, you know, we can end up Right, like we can end up in these. Are those persons persons who built that theory listening to their own thoughts? But also, I feel like that completely disregards the fact that you have this whole nervous system below the neck that also weighs in on these things. It's not just what's happening up here. There's also all this down here that also has a say in a lot of these things. For sure. Yeah. Mm I mean, just having a heart <laughs> and a brain, just just those two elements, <laughs> you understand? Like, those two alone, feelings versus thoughts. I mean, how can anyone not feel the divergent thoughts in the brain that are constantly happening together? And mm-hmm. learning how to sort those and really understand where each is coming from and respecting each. Mm-hmm. That's what the indigenous people did. They respected, like... You know, persons uh, 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 would come from other countries and come into an indigenous place, and these people would be dancing and hollering and letting their animal act all crazy. Everybody say, "Oh, they're heathens! What are they doing?" Mm. No, they understood the animal has to express. Mm. Then they're all sexual, and they're you know their clothes are off. And, Whoa, what are they doing? They understood the science that you have to respect yourself as an animal, as an ego, as your highest self. And they also categorize archetypes. Mm. So you have all those archetypes within you. I mean, it is phenomenal, the psychology of the indigenous ones. that's where my work yeah. comes from. Yeah. That's oh, that's great. powerful stuff. Yeah. And speaking of your work, um, you were running us through kind of like the four set phrases that you have at Progressive Love Academy, and you cut off before Ooh, the yeah. third one. Can you yeah, run yeah. us through those four really quick? Yeah. Yeah. There's no shame, no blame, no victims, no villains, no cop outs, no dropouts, and the purpose is growth while the benefit is love. So that's four phrases that is the basis. Those are our rules. We don't believe in rules. We believe rules are for food. <laughs> That's like a fifth one. I yeah. like that. That's another <laughs> phrase. Exactly. We believe in principles. Right. Principles. Uh-huh. We don't, do we need rules if we have principles? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the no shame, no blame, no cop out, no drop out. All of that is how we start our clients on the ground floor. Right. Right. Wow. That's some really pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, I love all that. Jeez. Although I think we get, I think if it's we started saying rules are for fools, we'd get a lot of <laughs> pushback. I, maybe, maybe we should. Maybe, maybe we should start a conversation. <laughs> well, right, and you know, I don't mind pushback because I know who's mm. pushing. Your mm. ego's pushing back. 
But the higher self knows that all literate, all literacy, all languages, all things are integrated and they are one and they all fit together. And there's nothing wrong. While my ego can say rules are for fools, you see? So if, if I understand who's speaking, then you understand not to take that as a problem. Mm-hmm. See, the whole yeah. thing have in the Western culture, everybody taking everything personal. <laughs> yeah. And it's like stressful. It's stressful. It's like, that's just her animal. You're taking a cat. You, you're looking at a, at, a, at a cat and a dog. Taking it personal. That's the well, that is kind of, I, I yeah. guess that is kind of the, one of the many drawbacks of having this extremely individualistic culture is that it really trains you into that mind space of it's always cycling back to like, what about me? And how does this reflect on me? Mm. You know, which activates all of that. It's all about me. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that is so funny. I'm so sorry. This culture is so funny. I don't see how everybody can't be laughing every day, all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so actually what you were about to talk about in kind of like handling pushback from other people, we're going to talk about that a little bit in our bonus content. So I want to kind of put a pin in that. Um, but before we get to our bonus content, can you tell us a little bit about this intensive that you have coming up later this week? And your yes. book. Oh, sure. Yes, absolutely. Up Level Communication is the name of my book. And it talks about that ego animal high self, how to deal with that, how to set container, how to have a real conversation without just being stuck in ego, like most right. Westerners, because we're not like, we are moving beyond that paradigm. Okay, so it gives us a new language, a new way to use language. Um, the conference is all about that book and practicing in the play mm-hmm. shop. And really working on it. Because some people say, no, this is not my ego. This is what I really feel. This is real <laughs> truth, you know? And so we have to, we have to retrain them. Say, what are you, are you talking about your perspective? Ego. Are you talking about how you feel? Animal. Are you talking about, you see what I'm saying? Like, most people don't want to stop utilizing the language in the abusive way. I call it a language of war. Mm. You know you don't want to stop using the language of war, then don't. <laughs> but what we're going to do is stop using the language for war. So that's mm-hmm. what we're meeting about. And it really takes four days to get through that process. But it starts with all the principles and we move into the language workshops and well, we move into Tantra and then we dance. and we, wow. ah, It's just going to be a ceremony. It's everything for ceremony. So that's what we're doing in Asheville in the mountains, in the Crystal Field Mountains. Of oh my Europe. goodness, that sounds wow. And so, and so what sure, kind gorgeous. of people are invited to take part? Everyone. We have, we are very open to LGBT. I know sometimes people think persons of African descent are not open to LGBT, but we believe in nine genders mm-hmm. here at the mm. Academy. So I don't know. We're, we're not like maybe most persons of African descent because we don't believe in binary gender. So mm. anyone of any gender, anyone of any sexual orientation, anyone of any race, any age, we don't believe in race. Race is a false concept. <laughs> we are humans and we have diversified into these colors in order so we can have these experiences that grow us. That's Isn't great. That yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Okay, so anyways, everyone's welcome is what I was saying. Okay, so we will definitely include a link to more information about the intensive in the show notes. We're also going to include a link uh, where people can find more information about your book, Up Level Communication. And now you are also offering to our listeners um, a free gift lecture video. And so I made 
by far the best URL our site has ever had. And it's not even for our site. It's to redirect to this gift lecture. And so <laughs> if you go to multiamory.com slash polyamory on fleek, you will get access yeah. <laughs> to Kenya K. Stevens' free gift lecture, which is called Polyamory on Fleek. That's fleek with two E's if you don't know how to spell fleek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. The best because oh I, I explain why I'm polyamorous in there and it's about my mom and my dad and a gun so oh, you guys oh gotta boy. get in there and okay. hear wow color oh, me wow, intrigued yes. heck yes so yes thank you for sharing that it feels really warm and welcoming my animal is very oh, good. warm and oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah and so I guess last thing you know so we're gonna chat a little bit more in the bonus content but before we go there. What's the best place that people can go to find more of you, your content, and more information about all these things? Sure. Progressive Love Academy on Instagram and ProgressiveLoveAcademy.com is our academy. So we have lots of free courses, but then there are also lots of initiations and uh, paid mm -hmm. courses. But if you and want to start free, it's really fun. It's a really great place to go to meet me and get closer to Because <laughs> I like to be... And seriously, everyone go check out the Instagram. It is hashtag goals yeah. like for all yeah. Instagrams. It's now, amazing. can you, can people still find, because <laughs> when I first started following you, your Instagram was still under Juju Mama, and then it recently changed. And so is that a complete like rebranding for you? Do you still go as Juju Mama in certain circles or what's kind of the story there? Um, I'm still Juju Mama on okay. Twitter where I have mm. 30,000 followers, but I, I rebranded on Instagram for Progressive Love Academy. Got it. Um, you can follow either one. I like either one, but I have PR people who have their egos who say, I need to be progressive love academy. Right. So I, yeah, yeah. You're like, fine. <laughs> there you okay, go. Okay. So yeah. when we get to our bonus content, we're going to talk about, uh, a little bit that we covered already, but we're going to talk about expressing opinions on the internet. Spooky. <laughs> so stick around for that. Yeah. Thank you to everyone for listening. We would love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, did you find anything in this episode that kind of was a wake up call for you maybe about blew your yeah, mind about being yeah. addicted to drama potentially, or about figuring out who's speaking when you're feeling something and sharing something. The best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you could share publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Uh, and be sure you tag the Progressive Love Academy in it as well. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. Leave us a voicemail at 678-M-U-L-T-I-05. Or you can leave us a voice message on Facebook. Multiamory is created and produced by Emily Matlack, Dedeker Winston, and me, Jace Lindgren. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowark and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? 
We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.